Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Hi, Brewer fans. Welcome to the Brewer Review Podcast. Uh, it's Craig, Vince, and Scott with you here on the All-Star break. Um, how are you doing, fellas? Hey, Craig. How are you guys? Doing good. Well, excellent. Better. Do we, Could be worse. Is, uh, is Chad on the set here today or no? He said he wanted to take a break for the All-Star break. I don't know what that meant, but <laughs> okay. yeah, he, he said he's getting a little tired of uh, taping these shows. So, <laughs> okay, it is kind Fair of enough. a grind. I mean. <laughs> it's a yeah. The first half can be can be tough. Well, we'll we'll expect a strong Chad back for the second half and getting into the uh, postseason. So, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, let's see. The, but I guess let's start off by congratulating the Brewers for adding their fifth all-star, um, which is very close to their club record, which I believe was seven, right? Uh, let's congratulate uh, Brandon Woodruff, who became the fifth brewer, joining Mike Moustakis, Yasmani Grandel, Josh Hader, and, of course, uh, reigning NL MVP, Christian Yelich, as all-stars uh, this half for the brewers so far in 2019. But congratulations to all you guys. As uh, Unfortunately, Josh Hader is going to have to miss the game due to injury. Uh, and yeah. Woodruff is a replacement. So yeah, that, that, Craig, it actually, it actually ties the uh, franchise mark. I think five was the high mark. So it was last oh. year that we set the record in 2018, and this year is uh, going to tie it as well. So pretty pretty great to have back-to-back years with, uh, with, with five All-Stars. Well, that is pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sucks that we won't be able to see Hayter in the All-Star game. But, um, I mean, he had such a great time last year, I think. Um, you know, but, um, you know, at the same time, I mean, we're still going to get to see Yelich in the home run derby, so that's cool, right? Scott, you um, know today actually, Yelich had to bow out of the home run derby with a, with a back issue, correct? What? Yeah, well... <sighs> Yeah, that's a good segue into the fact that uh, our MVP, National League MVP, Carson Yelich, is injured with back spasms, or hopefully this is a minor thing, and he'll be able to join the team back after the break. It's much more important than a home run derby or an all-star appearance, so to speak, because um, the Brewers are going to need him. Uh, I think, Scott, you mentioned one of our Twitter followers said something about he may have uh, back spasms due to the fact that he's been carrying the team on his back for the whole first half. There's something along those lines. Maybe he gives a direct quote, Scott, and yep. give credit to where credit is due. That's it. Shout that, out to Have uh, the interns tell you. Yep. Shout out to Flippin' Foster on Twitter. Good job. Thought it was funny. Made me laugh and brought a smile to my face during these dark, dark times. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear, let's so hear. I guess that, that's a good segue. Yeah. I was gonna say a segue maybe into the recap of the Brewers uh, last week since you last heard a Brewer review podcast. Uh, we of course traveled to Cincinnati and then uh, to Pittsburgh. And uh, going into the break last year, we. It wasn't as bad as last year's going in the break, which I believe we lost six in a row, including a five-game series in Pittsburgh. 
this year we've only only lost five of the last six, I believe. So a little bit of an improvement this year. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, guys, well, last year was a horrible, horrible segue into the All-Star break as well. If you guys remember that five-game series in Pittsburgh last season. Yeah, but we were still like, I think, right around like 15 games over 500 or something like that. So, I mean, now we're three. So there is that. <laughs> Not only that, but, I mean, are the Pirates – and first, almost after this weekend, I don't know. They're very close. I mean, at this point, it seems like every year before the Ultra break. Aren't they only like two and a half back now as well? Something like that. Three. I don't know. It's, yeah, the Reds. They uh, thought they were in it and traded Alder. Pittsburgh is. Pittsburgh is. Uh, yeah, Pittsburgh is two and a half back, guys. I just got a word from our interns. Pittsburgh is two and a half back. Uh, the Brewers Good are half back. Yeah, the the. Brewers are a half game back of the Cubs. The Cardinals are two games back. The Pirates are two and a half games back. And the Cincinnati Reds are actually only four and a half games back as well. Oh, well, the division is just as close as everyone thought it was coming into the year going into the second half. So that'll be exciting. So, I mean, I don't want to talk about the NL Central probably being the best team in baseball. I don't know if that still holds water at the All-Star break, but I would say it's definitely the most competitive. As I, as I know, no other second-place team is within – a couple of games of the first place team, whereas our entire division is that many games within first place. So it should be pretty interesting second half, I would say. <laughs> yeah, guys, we're going to be excited, hopefully, for some more playoff baseball. But, uh, yeah, long long ways to go yet. Second half is uh, obviously not taking place till next week, so we've got we've got some time uh, to get to, to make it or break it, I guess. But not a good uh, end of the first half, obviously, Craig, I, you know, to your point. So I think that um, – you know, it it seems like we do this every year. I don't I don't understand what it is with the last you know week before the All Star break every season, but it seems like this has been a theme now for at least the last couple years. It's like when you're back at school when you were going to go on like winter or spring break or something like that, and like everybody you kind of mailed it in with like a couple days to go, just because you were just looking forward to that break. Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know, but buckle your seatbelts, guys. And just remember, you know, if you don't have, like, an ulcer or a heart condition, you might by the end of the season. <laughs> Excellent. All your brewer fans, make sure to you get your health checkups. I know that the stress <laughs> levels are probably up and your blood cholesterol levels during the, uh, um, during the first season as well as mine and all the members of the Brewer of Union would like to uh, – <laughs> try to keep that in check uh but anyway yeah the birds are helping and um so a couple of other developments i guess uh orlando arcia uh narrowly avoided a serious injury i believe and it's now being said that he won't miss much time but uh, there was a scare there and luckily the birds have some depth at shortstop in the system as mauricio dubon has been having an excellent season at triple a um, and he got the call. I know when the injury happened, he may get sent back down. I'm not sure, but um, he did get the call here before the All Star break. And uh, th- that's someone who I know we'll, we'll probably wait until our next podcast to start really delving into potential trade uh, deadline moves or uh, all that stuff. But I would say Mauricio Dubon probably moved himself to the forefront of our being our number one trade ship. I would say going into the trade deadline, so to speak. And I think if RCS injury was significant, that would have prevented us from 
considering trading Dubon because we would have needed him at the major league level. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, Craig, I think that you're absolutely right about Dubon. I think that it's definitely a trade chip. Um, first of all, we should say congrats to him. He did make his Brewers uh, debut today. So he did He did officially appear in a Brewers uniform in a game. He was over one as a pinch hitter in today's uh, game against Pittsburgh. So um, he is officially an all-time Brewer. But, um, yeah, I think that Dubon is probably the most likely trade chip that we've got. I, I You know, if I'm David Stearns, I think I'm going to be looking at starting pitching. Uh, we can maybe analyze some of the names that are going to be out there Um whether I guess in this episode or future episodes, but you know, uh, a few guys come to mind right away. Um, want to delve into that, but I do think that Dubon is going to be um, probably a guy that David Stern's views as expendable, given the fact that RCA is still young and cost controlled for a number of years. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're spot on, Craig. I think it's Dubon is probably our number one trade chip at this point, um, especially given Corey Ray's injury uh, this year. So I. I think maybe going into the year we would have said Dubon or Corey Ray, but with, with Ray being injured for a good chunk of the first half, I think that it's definitely Dubon at this point. Corey Ray, Zach Brown, both of them battling injuries, so they've their stock has dipped a little bit. Um, technically, I guess you could say our best trade ship is Keston Hero, but I don't see that happening. Although we did right. kind of run Ricky Weeks out of town because he wasn't going to play anywhere other than second base. He didn't have that flexibility. Um, Hira has the same problem, but, um, you know, Weeks was at the tail end of his career at that point, and Hira... I was going to say, Scotty, so when, you say, when you say Weeks, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was up from 2005 through 2012, you know, at that point, so I like we exactly ran him out of town. He had seven years in Milwaukee or something. Oh, years, no, I just, mean, I just mean Stearns, when he came in, he was, like, looking at Ricky Weeks and saying, this guy can only play second, so it's not really going to fly. Um, cause he didn't, his bat didn't really play. He was at the end of his career anyway. So two completely right. things. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, Kesson here, uh, I mean, I think they know when they drafted him that he was going to be second base or DH and that's pretty much it. And since there's no DH in the NL as of now, as of now, um, it's pretty obvious that, um, they were, you know, knowing that he's not going to have flexibility, but, What's important is that, and that's obviously showing that it's there. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So, as far as it's like a little bit of a first half recap, um, I mean, if you had told us at the beginning of the season the Birds would be a half game out of first at the All Star break, I think we probably all would have taken that, uh, knowing that we could gear up for the second half and make a playoff push at that point. But uh, the fact of the matter is, as Scott pointed out, that we're only a couple games over 500, which I think is underachieving for this team. And not only that, but, I mean, Russ NL Central has been also underachieving collectively, uh, especially the Cubs and the Cardinals, and that's just playing into our favor, I guess, so to speak. But the other teams um, that are possibly in any potential wildcard race are really um, – you know, it would be a very crowded field, so to speak, at this point. Um, and I think the, the Brewers' best route to the playoffs, once again, will, of course, be winning the NL Central. Um, and I think that's very important looking in the second half. But overall, I mean, my concern is that I think if you take away the five all-stars that, um, that the Brewers do have off the roster, almost every single other player is underachieving in my opinion. And some, some of them actually to the point, you know, Travis Shaw being almost off the team. Um, and everyone else has really been uh, underachieving overall, 
most of our pitching staff top to bottom minus like um you know obviously getting back to the offense our one the rc i think has um bounced back from a really down year last year and i'd say he's having a overachieving type year but almost everyone else i mean could you guys point out anyone else in particular that you're satisfied with the performance outside of our five all-stars and Arcia? I'm not as disappointed in Lorenzo Cain, uh, as you kind of intimated there, Craig. I, I mean, he's still played great defense. He's been okay with the bat. Um, so I would say him. Um, I'd also say Zach Davies, you know, in the starting rotation, just because he's not an all-star. Um, you know, I think that Davies has, has pitched well. Uh, Matt Albers in the bullpen. I mean, certainly, I think if you took away five all-stars from any team, they'd probably be able to point to a lot of guys who were not necessarily living up to the hype um, so to speak. So I, yeah, I, I guess I'm not as disappointed maybe as you might be. I'm having a hard time coming up with anybody else. I mean, Braun is doing about what I expected at this stage in his career. I mean, he's 35 now, so. Yeah. And Eric Thames, I guess would be another name. I mean, he's had a pretty decent first half and probably exceeded expectations or at least the expectations that I had for him coming into the year as well. Yeah. He started off. Yeah. Really and slow, I, but he's picked it up. Yeah. And Jesus has been showing signs of life, I guess, lately, but barely. Um, and But there's just been some other guys that we really, I think, are counting on in some capacity coming this season, especially our younger guys. I think the most disappointing are whatever happened with Harbin Burns, uh, possible rotation um, member, and also Freddie Peralta, who showed such, such promise. Uh, and then also, um, you know, such lack of control to the point where I don't know if the Brewers are even going to consider them in the rotation moving forward. Um, and then, of course, some of them are just, you know, due to injury, but even someone like Gio Gonzalez that we signed late um, after the season started or whatever really has not been that much of a contributor yet either. Um, and so I don't know. Um, it just it, it seems to me that and I know we pointed this out on, a, on our podcast, but it really seems to me that the first pitching staff overall has really taken a step back uh, as to last year's quality, obviously. And then the other thing to consider is the offense. Some of our fringe offensive players have just been just not doing very well. I mean, I guess the other guy I'll throw out there who's exceeded my expectations for his role would be like Ben Gamble, I suppose. Um, and that's been valuable. But other than that, I think there's, there's plenty of overall disappointment, even the fact that uh, we are so close to first place, but then only a few games under 500, I just feel like we're underachieving. What about Matt Albers? He exceeded my expectations. This Scott, week. I said him already. Oh, he did? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I mean, so. that's true because I didn't have much of expectations. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, 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 I almost yeah. didn't have expect, expectations for him to stick with the team all year, uh, depending on, in spite of his contract. So the fact that he's been pretty solid is good. I mean, outside of this last couple of days, I mean, Junior Guerra has been fairly solid and, and kind of in a new role for him this year. Um, yeah, no, I, I think he's I been agree. pretty good as he's a member of more of the mid to late end of our bullpen rather than like a swing man, long man, like he was last year. So I think he's handled that fairly well, but just overall, so. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think that, um, you know, a guy like Albers, he seems to have a good year every two years. So I, I guess I didn't know. I thought maybe he'd have a decent year this year, but um, yeah, I mean, 
definitely guys are disappointing, you know, certain, certain guys. I think you pointed it out well, Craig, like, you know, the Corbin Burns and pretty Peralta examples, certainly, um, you know, certainly we should talk a little bit about the guys that did make the all-star team too, though, as being exceeding expectations. So um, I think Mike Moustakis has exceeded expectations, even though we all knew that he was a solid offensive performer. He's also been playing a different position than normal for a good chunk of the first half. Um, yes, Monty Grandal, I think, has not only lived up, but probably exceeded expectations. Uh, Josh, Josh Hader has continued to be a dominant left-handed reliever out of the bullpen. Um, you know, Brandon Woodruff has really stepped it up. I, I don't know that we necessarily gave him enough credit coming into the year. I think that Woodruff has really proven to be a solid rotation piece, and obviously his selection of the All-Star game is kind of indicative of that. Um, so, you know, you and Christian Yelich has not only continued to be really good, but he's continued to be a, a definite contender for most valuable player in the National League this year. So we we got to talk about the All-Stars a little bit, too, if we're going to talk about the guys who are disappointing us. Well, I suppose I can start with Yelich. I mean, he's going into the break. He's got 31 homers, which is a all-time brewery yeah. record for the first half, correct? Incredible. I mean, he's on pace to eclipse Prince Fielder's 50 home runs in 2007 at this point. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, his first half has been incredible. I mean, when he became a brewer, I was excited because I was like, this is a guy that can hit, you know, well over 300 and contend for batting titles and someday hit 30 homers in a season. Uh, for him, if you would have told me at the time, well, he'll hit that, you know, at least each half or even in the first half, like I would say that would be nearly impossible. But, I mean, Chris Neal is someone who, if you take a look at the guy or his track record even in the minor leagues or with the Marlins, that would all suddenly hit 60 home runs this season. I don't know where this is coming from. But, I mean, he's definitely, definitely having an unbelievable season. He's already hit way more homers as a brewer than he did his entire time in his career at the Marlins. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I think just this year alone he's had more than his entire career with the Marlins, so that's unbelievable. Very possible. Uh, and then, as Vince pointed out, Woodruff, he definitely exceeded my expectations. I thought he'd be the third best member of the of the young trio of arms who were slotting into the rotation at the beginning of the year, and he's – He's making the all-star race, so I think that speaks in and of itself. He's been unbelievable, and credit yeah, to him because he, he went from this time last year being a potential trade ship to being now a solid member of the rotation going forward and definitely off any type of potential trade, uh, <laughs> any type of potential trade um, block. That's for sure. I think he's going to be with the Brewers going forward for sure. Guys, uh, Christian, I just talked to the interns. Christian Yelich's uh, home run – high with the Marlins was 21 home runs in 2016. Crazy. Yep. So he hit 36 last year in a full season in Milwaukee, and he's already at 31 here in the first half. His, 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 yeah, his career high total was 21 in 2016 with the Marlins, at least. And then in 2017, he hit 18 um, before the Brewers acquired him before the 2018 season. And in his years prior to that, he had uh, – <laughs> 2015, he had seven home runs. 2014, he had nine. And 2013, he had four. So he's already hit – he's already hit um, – this is an interesting stat. He's hit 67 home runs as a member of the Brewers in essentially 1.5 seasons. And he hit – he hit 59 home runs in five seasons with the Marlins. Hmm. Unreal. Give the hitting coach a raise. There you go. Anyway. So, I guess looking forward, looking forward to the second half, obviously it, it, it 
I think we still need to be in full on go for it mode. I don't think we have the same number of trade ships um, potentially as we did last off season and in position to make the bold moves that we did both in July and August. Um, and now we only have July and not August for our GM to work with as the rules of baseball change. Scott pointed that out previous podcast and everything. So um, I think the fact that two of our all-stars are basically one year free agent rentals and Mike Moustakis and Gasmani Grandel even makes it like more so that we need to really make a run for it this season because we could potentially be losing both those guys and they won't be coming back. And that's the huge blow to the 2020 and beyond Brewers. So. Yeah, that's a good point, guys. I mean, we do have, uh, you know, the, the possibility that we're going to lose both Moustakis and Grandal, you know, after the season. So, um, yeah, Craig, I agree. I think, yeah, I think it's go for it mode. Uh, again, this, it's a tight division. It's a division that's certainly winnable for a team like the Brewers. Um, you know, one of the one of the one of the benefits of maybe underachieving a little bit the first half is that we've got the chance to overachieve in the second half. So um, I could definitely see the Brewers uh, playing better, you know, in the in the second half than we have in the first, and being significantly over 500. So you know, especially with an acquisition, and again, I don't know if we want to talk about it this episode, but if we want to start talking about who we should start to target maybe at the trade deadline, um, it's coming up pretty fast. You know, with July 31st. Uh, only a couple of weeks away, we, we, we could definitely start to, you know, be looking at, at specific players at this point. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, well, I guess maybe next time we could, you know, start throwing specific players. Of course, you can do it now. But I, I think just maybe in, if we could generalize what we think the Brewers, GM, and uh, will identify as our biggest weakness and the type of player we acquire is it going to be a uh, rotation piece? Is it going to be a bullpen arm? Is it going to be a bat from bat? Is it going to be um, a starting bat? Like, um, it'll be, will it be a couple of those things, most likely? Um, I guess let's just point, throw that out there as a question. What do you think is, if you're a GM, could only acquire one player or one position to solidify this team for the second half, what role or what position would that be? I mean, so if I'm David Stearns and I, I only could pick one position, I'd probably go for a starting pitcher. Um, you guys know I've loved him for a long time, but I, I would love to get a guy like Marcus Stroman. I don't know what it would cost. I, I have no idea if we're going to be even in the ballpark or remotely able to match what the Blue Jays want in a trade. But somebody like that would be my ideal pick. Um, that being said, I, we're not limited to one. So I, I would guess that Stearns is probably going to get a piece – for the starting rotation of somebody in the bullpen like you did last year with Xavier Cedeno and Joaquin Soria, and then probably a utility type of player as well like we did last year with Granderson. I just think that it kind of makes the sense for Stern to be looking at those options. If we get a bigger back, great. I don't know who's out there. Um, last year we did with Mike Moustakis, so um, maybe we'll see what's available at that point. And we saw Stearns was very creative last year. Um, I mean, we really had a lot of upgrades, not only with the guys that I mentioned, we also got uh, Jonathan Scope, who, you know, didn't work out like we wanted him to, but Stearns was willing to really kind of be creative in, in who he was targeting last season at the deadline. I think he probably was more aggressive than we might have anticipated. So we'll see what he does uh, this year. But Well, I, I would say that, um, I, I don't know, I just don't see this team getting anywhere with this bullpen. So I, I think that um, a bullpen arm, especially um, somebody that, Ideally, if it's somebody that we can have next year too, um, or somebody that can work 
two innings um, on occasion. That seems to be the, the MO or the way that we want to use our relievers anyway. So that's kind of where I'd go with it. So, so it sounds like, yeah, the back of the bullpen is definitely um, a huge concern. I, I agree with you guys. I, I think that we have enough similar guys, uh, depth-wise, that we can plug in the starting rotation that it's hard for me to see, unless we do get a controllable starter like a Stroman or uh, Matt, Matthew Boyd or someone like that. I, I'm not even sure those guys have the upside that we would be looking for. Uh, that maybe strengthening the back of the bullpen, kind of replace Knable's role, would be really something that has a ripple effect that would help the entire team, including the rotation. That's probably the way I would go to. I, I don't know if I can throw a specific name. Maybe we'll do that next podcast. But yeah, I think the back of the bullpen is number one, starting rotation maybe number two, and really just maybe like a veteran bat or something or potential first base replacement. But I think that we probably would pass on that. Just stick with Jesus and things still. But I guess those are the things I'm looking at. But, yeah, number one priority, back of the bullpen arm, most likely. Well, for what it's worth, um, I I did want to say that we had, um, on Twitter anyway, not actually who we would trade for, but which players within the NL Central we would want on our team. And 50% said Josh Bell. uh, 24% said Luis Castillo. So there's the ace that you were looking for. And then 16% with Joey Votto and 10% with Paul Goldschmidt. So a lot of great first basemen in this division. Yeah, that's for sure. Although not all realistic options, you know. No, no, not at all. It's the Colonels, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Do you guys have any names maybe at the back end of the bullpen, if that's what we're looking at? Um, I already forget his name, but who was the guy who cleaned up on us uh, this weekend on the Pirates? They said that we were looking at him last year even, but I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. I guess I could just ask one of the interns and the pipe. Yeah, it's it funny. I think, I, I think you mean you mean Volquez, right? I I honestly I don't I possibly God, come on. Um anyway. <laughs> uh well, I don't know. Uh very good. Well, I don't know guys, if we wanna maybe we'll we'll wait to get into specifics until the next episode. But yeah, I I, I tend to think starting pitching only because again our rotation's been up and down. We really don't know what we've got with a lot of these guys. Jimmy Nelson's back on the D L. Uh we've had injury issues, we've had you know, all sorts of things. But Gio Gonzalez is, you know, maybe coming back at some point in the second half, but we can't really rely on that. It seems like these guys take forever to get back from injury and uh, in starting rotation. So that, that's why I, I picked that. But you guys are right. I mean, we lost uh, not only Corey Knabel, we lost Jeffers for a while at the beginning of the year. We lost um, Bobby Wall, who hasn't made an appearance yet in a Brewers uniform after we acquired him from the Mets for Keon. Um, so our bullpen has really taken a hit. Yeah, absolutely. Felipe Vasquez, that's who it was. For what it's worth. Okay, Vasquez, got it. Yeah, no, he's been solid, and he's been good against the Brewers as well. But, yeah, uh, definitely a potential name out there. I don't know if the Pirates – I mean, we saw them What's funny funny about that – Last year with Chris Archer, but I don't know if they'd be willing to necessarily trade, especially within the division, when they're only a couple games out of it uh, at this point as well. 
Yeah, especially because if they went for it last year, I don't see why they wouldn't do it again this year. Yeah, well, I think exactly. what what happens in the next couple of weeks, I think will be, you know, tell the tell the tale. I mean, some of these some of these wild card potential teams, um, or even division contenders, if you want to consider players that are going to decide literally at the last minute, like, are we still in this or not? If, if they're within four games, I would say the wild card, a couple of games for the the trade deadline, I think that they not uh, sell off, but some of these might make last minute decisions, but. We know there could be some bargains to be had because of those last-minute decisions, too. So hopefully the Brewers can benefit from that. I don't know. But hopefully we're not one of the ones selling at the last minute either. <laughs> and and that's always a potential. I mean, you know, you don't know. I, I really don't think that that's necessarily on the docket. I, You know, when I look at this team, I don't see a team that's ready to sell. I don't see a team that's out of it by any stretch. I mean, heck, we were in first place until yesterday um, in the division. I think it would be a huge mistake to sell at this point. We've got a tight division race. We're a half game back. Um, a lot of baseball yet to be played. So I, I think I think it would be crazy if we started to sell, um, you know, at this point. Yeah. I don't, I don't think – I think we knew going into the season we weren't going to sell or That's why we signed – Moose and Grandal in a one-year deal. Otherwise, we wouldn't have done that. So I think uh, Vince is right 100%. We're not going to be sellers outside of a complete catastrophe. Yeah, right. The all-star break or something. Right. Christian so. Yelich uh, decides to have back surgery and he's out for the year or something ridiculous like that. Like, that, that's pretty much the only way. Yeah, please don't talk like that. I mean, what's the worst Thank that you. can happen? I don't believe in jinxes. So. <laughs> Although I did apparently well, almost jinx, uh, what year was that? Theory won the wild card. I got yelled at at the office for putting up a magic number sign. That was 2008, Scott. I mean, yeah. we did a we did a whole movie about it. You should probably remember the year, but you know. <laughs> have Have you guys gotten any indication from our anonymous source, Tom Carter, about um, guys in the minor leagues that the Brewers might be willing to move here um, at, as the deadline approaches? Besides maybe Dubon? Um, I'll just say – go ahead, Scott. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I think I think Tom Carter mentioned um, something about his name. I can't remember what it was. But um, he I, I, he actually threw out Peralta. So, I don't know. I'm not sure what you can get from him at this point. But we'll see. Well, he still is a, he still is a young arm. I mean, and at the same time that he's been disappointing this year to a degree, he was also fairly impressive last year. So I I don't think that Peralta has no value. I mean, I think that he does have some value. He's a young guy. He's a guy that throws hard. He, if he develops another pitch, Peralta is going to be a really solid major league pitcher. So um, I could certainly see him having some value in a trade scenario. Sure, especially yeah. a re- rebuilding team, a rebuilding team that can just throw him in the rotation and let him let him take his lumps up and down until he figures it out. Uh, unfortunately, as a contender, the Brewers don't have the luxury of doing that. So that's not – our, our source, TC, once again, he just likes to go by that, guys. Um, and not, uh, not the full name, obviously. Then it's not anonymous anymore. Didn't, he said something like, that. you guys should look up anonymous in the dictionary, and I totally didn't know how to spell it, so whatever. I just wanted um, to give him credit for being an anonymous source, you know. Like we'll have our we'll have our interns look up anonymous and get it get back to us. So he'll be he'll be fine. They're not exactly the, the sharpest knife in the drawer either. But anyway, um, 
I guess what what I'll say to answer Scott's question, who's available? I would just be a trade. I would say any minor leaguer not named Keston Hira, because I think he was our own one and only blue chipper potential all star. I mean, obviously there are guys at the lower level of minor league like Bryce Trang or something like that that you know you'd want to hold on to. But I think everyone is available. I guess I'll just put that. There's there's no standout that we just cannot trade this guy. He's too valuable. Um, that's currently in our farm system. That's almost unfortunate, but I think basically anyone and everyone that's not currently on the major league roster, as you pointed out, or as TC did, uh, that even some guys like Peralta or Burns might be available via trade, um, as a portion of a trade, if need be. Because, again, we got so many guys that could be rotation arms, but uh, it'd probably be good for an upgrade. But, um yeah, I, I can't see anyone in the minor leagues now that he is up in the big leagues that they would not move. So we shall see. Yeah, it shouldn't really be an All interesting right. uh, time of the year, I guess. I just really hope – you just really have to hope that uh, the next couple of weeks that the Brewers play lights out and hopefully, you know, it's going to – not only is it going to, I guess – revitalize the fan base and maybe maybe put management in a little bit more of that go for it mode but hopefully it also uh maybe discourage some of these other teams that are on the fringe like you know the reds and pirates for that matter it, i know that about a month or so ago we talked about okay well the brewers are through their uh difficult beginning part of the schedule and now it's time for the easy part of the schedule pending in a break and that's awesome well that didn't turn out to be the case at all the Brewers just decided to play their worst baseball for like the last six weeks prior to the all-star break against team, most teams that were inferior to them. And here we are. The Brewers could have easily pulled ahead with anywhere from a three to seven game lead. And then I'll send her going to all-star break and really been in a strong position. And they're just not there. And I think I hate to say it, but I'm going to call out, you know, management on this one. I really think that the decision to, send Kesson Hira back down for what must have been about a month um, right before the break here um, and, and brings Travis Shaw back. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make up stats, but I'll, I'll say that Kesson Hira was probably worth like three war wins above something um, during the last month. And I'd say that uh, Travis Shaw was worth like negative one or two war uh, or whatever, and so that probably cost the Brewers about five games in the last month. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but other people make up stats all the time and act like this. they're really, really awesome stats. So I'm just going to do that right now. I'm going to call it well, WAR. Keston Kest, here, here is WAR is 0 0.1 right now, Craig. Once again, this is my stat that I made up. I'll call it <laughs> WOR then. This, this, according to baseball reference, is, is war right now in the big leagues is 0 0.1. Yeah, but 83% of all people believe stats that are made up. Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah. Right, right. there, the, the fact that you're telling me that Kesson here has only been 0 0.1 more valuable than someone else that's playing mediocre second base over all the time he's been a brewer, that's ridiculous. That right there. I'm just, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that that's what the stat officially reads. That's all. Well, there you go. Travis. You're pointing out. You're pointing out how ridiculous war is as a stat, and people Thank act you. like it's the end all, be all of all, you know, judging a player. And I disagree with it. Yeah, Travis Shaw's uh, war this year is 
negative 0.8, you know, for the record. So Kessens is definitely higher in a you know, smaller sample sample size, but yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Tra- yeah, Travis Shaw, Travis Shaw's war last year was 4.1 and the year before that was 3.9 for the record. Yeah. And that's so. probably the only reason why Shaw was given so many chances at the big league level is because he proved so valuable the last couple of years. He got a little bit longer leash because of it. Unfortunately, he just yeah. wasn't able to do anything with those chances. And whether it had to do with lingering injuries or whatever it is, uh, he just didn't produce. And that's definitely discouraging because, uh, you know, we as Brewer fans are really counting on him um, this year to help our offense. But it just has not worked out. Yep. So, well, I guess we could say, uh, you know, throw out our, what do we think the Brewers are going to go this next week? I believe we only have three games after the All-Star break. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that we're going to go three and all now that we got Kesha Kira in the lineup. And Two and one. Chris and we have less than a minute to go. Vince, what's your Oh, point? okay. Two and one. Yeah. Okay. All right, Vince. Uh, Doing one. Uh, yeah, I'll say two and one. Coming back from the break. That sounds good to me. We barely did. Stay classy, everybody. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Stay classy, West Dallas. Go Brewers. Brewers. <laughs>